My name is Sheriff Rowdy, and I started my day in 1879 in the Dakotas, but this little lady says I am now in 1944 France. She's being chased by these men named Nazis. It's like they got the devil. Well, she needs a good partner, and I'm not one to leave someone to fight evil alone. Get the rip-roaring adventure of Cowboys vs. Nazis at MythMart.com or Amazon. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on all that you will, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry Hey everybody and welcome to episode 128 I had to get that out of the way before I forgot it again Of Lupa's Bits I am your host Lupa and you've probably realized by now that what you're listening to is not what happened on Wednesday night in what was supposed to be the live recording of my podcast. And that is because I had an epiphany. <clears throat> it's fun to sit and listen to somebody on audio and go about and do your stuff. I actually have one particular listener who falls asleep um, she just puts it on and then falls asleep to it so that I get the numbers. It's a good thing she knows that I, she loves me. That, um, and then I have other people that, you know, will be coding a magazine while they're listening. Um, whatever. People do stuff while they're listening. Because you can do stuff while you're listening. So, to record a podcast on TikTok Live... When people come in expecting interaction and more than just somebody sitting there talking into a microphone, waving their hands around, um, I didn't actually think that was going to work. So what's going to happen is I'm going to go live twice a week um, and I'm going to uh, one episode, like one live session will be discussing the previous week's podcast, what, you know, thoughts, um, if you disagree, bring it, <laughs> please bring it, um, if you have suggestions, save that for the second live, because the second live, I'll be taking viewer requests for the podcast, and it'll basically be to discuss the podcast, promote the podcast, and all things about my podcast. Um, they have a thing where you can accept gifts. I, I don't expect gifts. I don't want, like, I'm not asking for gifts. They have, you have to set a gift goal. Um, but all proceeds will go towards helping host the, the price for, um, service for hosting the, the network, my, like hosting my podcast and, um, getting it out there. So, and the advertising and all that stuff. So, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, tune in next week to discuss this podcast. So, as you probably also noticed, there was no podcast last week. 
Now, you did get episode 127 on Apple and, and Spotify on Thursday, I think it was. There was a glitch in the RRS, RSS feed. Um, I'm not sure if it was operator error or computer error, um, but, you know, <laughs> somebody may have forgotten to click a button. But anyway, it was on our network, um, but it didn't go out onto Apple and Spotify until Thursday. So I was away last week. I actually took a vacation. Um, it, it didn't start out as a vacation. It wasn't intended to be a vacation. Um, but I realized very quickly that I was not going to be able to get any work done. I didn't want to get any work done and called in sick for the week. <laughs> I did. I told I'm not doing any work. There, there's. I'm on vacation. I even at one point, it was early in the morning, I think. No, it was in the afternoon and we were doing something. And I got a, a message from one of our authors about something. And I just like forwarded it straight to Dave and said, I'm on vacation. You deal with this. <laughs> and he's like, okay, because I would have just dealt with it. And then I looked at Crystal and went, I just said I was on vacation and made Dave deal with something. And she looked at me and she said, I'm proud of you. I'm like, yes, because <laughs> I I try and, and take care of it. Just I just do it. When I should be delegating, when I should be saying, I don't have time right now, I need you to deal with this. Um, and I actually did that and it felt kind of good. And then I stressed about it and worried about it and kept checking back and forth to make sure that it was all sorted out and that, you know, the author had been had been dealt with and that the situation was amends. And then I kept pestering Dave, did you fix it? Did you fix it? Did you fix it? And yeah. <laughs> so, but it, was, it wasn't even actually a thing that I could have fixed anyway. I would have had to have gone to Dave anyway and said, um, what do I do here? You need to fix this. And then, okay, did you fix it? Great. Now I'll go back to the author. And I just basically just cut out the middleman. So, um, I forgot to ask for housekeeping, so I don't actually have any housekeeping. So there is no housekeeping. Oh yeah. Well, except, well, you heard two weeks ago that I, or last week that I stepped down. Um, Walter's book he his third book through dark myth publications came out on fourth book sorry fourth book um through dark myth publications came out on tuesday his birthday was on monday happy birthday walter belated birthday walter i already sent you an audio message for your birthday <laughs> um and his book cowboys versus nazis came out on tuesday um, and it's a great little book. Like, it's not very long. It's a novella, but it is a lot of fun. It really is. Like, this poor cowboy just riding his horse, doing his thing in the 1800s in the Dakota Territories, suddenly gets zapped into 1944 Nazi-occupied France. Now, first of all, could you imagine the culture shock that that poor dude must have felt? And then to be in the middle of a war. <laughs> so, and to be in the middle of that war. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty good book. Uh, it's very interesting how uh, Walter has written the explanation for how he gets where he is, how he gets 
back from where he is and what happens in between, um, I highly suggest you go and pick it up. You can get it at MythMart.com or Amazon, but I would suggest going to MythMart.com so that, you know, our authors could actually possibly try and make a living at what they do. So anyway, that is it for housekeeping. Um, we're still pushing through the eyes of madness, not for children. And I'm supposed to have a book coming out this month. It's supposed to be to the publisher this month. It comes out next month, doesn't it? Yeah, it comes out in July. Oh, he's checking the book. I'm pretty, well, I could have checked mine. Mine's right somewhere. I don't know. I want a bag from the post office. They had this contest and all, okay, here, he's, I'm good. My book comes out in July. Okay, good. Cause I've got 50. Well, I had <laughs> funny story. So, um, this week is designated writing week. I need to get back into the groove of writing because I haven't written crap. I haven't even, I haven't even written crap. I've written nothing, not even bad stuff, um, in a very long time. So I'm trying to get back into the, the groove of writing. And the way for me to do that is to... <laughs> I'm sorry, my live studio audience is dancing. Get into the groove. <laughs> you got to, I knew exactly what song he was dancing to. He's on mute, so I can't hear anything on his end. I could just see him grooving, and I knew exactly what song he was dancing to. That is why we are a couple. Um, anyway, uh, what was, I don't even remember what I was saying now. His sexy dance moves just completely threw me. <laughs> oh, talking about writing. Yes. My, and my lack thereof. So I was trying to decide last week what actual book I was going to work on because I have one that's complete, but I need to go back and change some things freshen some things up, write some things the way I want them written. Um, so it's not complete, complete. Uh, and then I have one that, what is, why are you shaking your fist at me? Your, your finger at me. You want what one? The one I'm about to, no! happened needless to say the book that is almost well that is done but needs a lot of tweaking is an lgbtq book um and that's the one that he wants but that's not the one that he's getting i mean he'll get it eventually um and then the other one is magically bound but it's only sitting at about fourteen thousand words and that'd be a whole lot of writing I mean, I could do it. I have no doubts that I could do it. But I do need to sleep and eat at some point. Um, and I'm just not in the headspace for those characters. Uh, they're kind of pouting at the moment. And they're not really speaking to me. Um, the one that has been very prominent lately has been Reese. Um, she's kind of been there, just hovering. And 
that book is sitting, well, was, <laughs> was sitting at about 54,000 words. Um, I started going back through it. And because it was a series written on the magazine, um, and it came out once a month, the beginning of every chapter kind of recaps what happened in the chapter before. So there was things that I needed to take out. I found a few continuity errors that I needed to, to fix. Like at the beginning, I had seven supernatural characters and then it went down to five and then it was up to six. So I kind of had to fix that. Um, and then I had to fix the beginning of each chapter and take out the stuff that I had regurgitated from the previous chapter. Because when you're reading a book, you don't want to flip the page and just reread what you just read. So I had to reword it. So I lost about 3,000 words. Which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a lot of words. But um, I'm not finished going through all of it yet either. I think I'm on, surprise, I just happened to have it. I'm on part nine, chapter nine. Um, the part where she, she, the chapter eight was she, uh, left Marlin and was on the train to New Orleans and she sees Adrian in the glass. So that's where I ha was, had left it. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm actually having my computer read it to me. So I'm listening to it as a story and I can go, um, oh crap. Nope. That needs to be fixed. Um, I need to rewrite that or that needs a T because it's the word the, not he. <laughs> Found a couple of those. Um, you have to ignore that because it's nobody talks to me all day long. And the minute I start podcasting, then people start messaging me. Anyway, uh, so I was listening to it and I'm trying and I'm. 99.9% .9 sure that I will have this book finished, if not by the end of this week, definitely by the end of next week. It's there. It's all there. I just need to, by listening to it has put me back into the story and I know who's dying next. I know how they're dying. Unfortunately, somebody else has to die too. Their collateral damage. He's looking very excited right now. Oh, and I get a hardcover book. Penance will be coming out as a hardcover, which is really kind of cool. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. So, but I do have people that want magically. So once I get Penance finished, I need to focus my attention on magically. I need to get magically done. Magically cannot come. Good heavens. Now my mother's messaging me. These people, I tell you. Um, my sister and I were having a conversation this morning in the clan. And my mother met, finally messages the clan. And she's like, listen, you two chatterboxes. I was having a nice sleep. Would you stop? So I told her, well, shut your phone off. She's like, I can't. I'm too nosy. Not my problem. And my brother jumps in and says, you know, the next time you want to complain about people waking you up at 11 o'clock in the morning... He's just going to set the alarms off on his and Lacey's car at 6.30 when they leave. <laughs> I told him, do it. My sister's like, do it. 
Um, you'll have to pardon the quality of my voice. Uh, my country is on fire. <laughs> my province is really on fire. And the province next to it is really on fire. So it's very smoky. I woke up this morning and my whole apartment smelled like a campfire. And it's still, I can still smell it. It still smells like a campfire. Um, I have the windows open right now because it got really warm in here. But I'm going to close them up tonight. Because I woke up this morning and my lungs were burning. My throat was burning. My nose was burning. Because it's very, very smoky. We've got smoke coming down from northern Ontario. We've got smoke coming over from the Ottawa Valley and Quebec. Um, and it's just like settling right where I live, basically. Um, and I'm right in, if you look on the Weather Network or on any where they will show you where the big plume of smoke is traveling, I am dead smack in the center of it in that bright neon pink that is severe smoke. Uh, I'm right in the middle of it smoke from everywhere is coming straight right through where I am so yeah uh, my voice is a little rough <laughs> but we're working on it we have some air quality control things happening um I had to go out today because the post office called me yesterday now as I was saying earlier they had a um a draw and they the money was all going to support the post office and um, I, it was like a dollar a square, so I bought four squares. And their uh, brand name is 31, and they're handbags, like duffel bags, big bags, beach bags, cooler bags, all kinds of really cool bags. And I can't, can I reach it? No, I can't. So I got this really, I put my name down on the boxes for the bags that I liked. And there was one that I was kind of like, eh, well, all right, I like it. It's cute. They were all inside of a plastic bag, so I couldn't open it up and look at it and, and see what kind of bag it was, how many pockets it had. Crystal calls it a diaper bag. It's not a diaper bag. It's not. I mean, it could be, but it's not. But it's really cute. It's got a great big, huge open area that I've got my planner in. Um, it's The two sides of the bag are actually big zippered pockets. And then they have little pouches inside for stuff. Um, right now it's got my planner and my notebooks in it. I don't know what else I'm going to put in it. I may use it for something else. I don't know. I may keep it as my planner bag and put some stickers, sticker books in and some markers and stuff and pens in the big pockets. We'll see. But I won. And I was all excited because I don't usually win stuff like that. Like I don't win contests. I, I buy raffle tickets. I don't win. So I was rather excited, you know, that I won something. So down I went to the post office today and got my mail, junk mail, got my bag. And then I went to Giant Tiger, which if you're American, it's equivalent to your uh, Dollar General, but a little more expensive. Oh, I'm saving up my pennies. So if any of my listeners want to donate to the cause, that would be great. I'm saving up my pennies because... My Giant Tiger has a George Foreman grill for 50 bucks, I think, and an air fryer for 70 So I'm 
really excited. I want them. They're just little things. They're not, they're not huge. Um, but they're perfect for my apartment. Like they're just little. And when I was in California, I was using Dave's, um, George Foreman and you get a lot less grease with your burger. It actually is a lot healthier cooking on a George Foreman than, um, in the frying pan where it's sitting with the grease on a barbecue. I don't have a balcony. I don't have a backyard. I have a parking lot that is common area and a little spot out back. That's a common area. And I might, Joyce and I are talking about getting a little barbecue back there for, for us. Um, but we haven't done that yet, but that would still require me having to go all the way downstairs around back and barbecue and then bring all my stuff upstairs. And by the time I got back upstairs, it would probably be cold or close to it. So, but we'll see anyway. Um, yeah, so I did my, I went and got caught. Blah, 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 blah. I'm distracted because there's people outside my window talking now. <laughs> So I'm trying not to pay attention to that while I'm podcasting. Um, this is why I podcast usually a lot later at night because there's less distraction. There's less noise. Um, my editor doesn't, my, I don't know what the heck are you called? Producer. There we go. Producer. Brain's not braining. There are a whole lot less big trucks going by. Um, but if I do it later at night, it's a lot quieter and it's a lot less work for my producer to have to edit a lot of the background noise out. Snip, snip. <laughs> but when it's underneath what I'm talking, like if it's underneath me talking, it's more playing around with the the audio levels now trying to mute the background remove background noise all that good stuff so but i'm going live at 10 o'clock tonight so i can't podcast at 10 o'clock tonight because i'm having to do it now anyway okay so <laughs> this week's podcast is all about my trip to new brunswick like i said i was on vacation but i did say that 21 minutes ago <laughs> I was on vacation for the entire week. I left on Saturday. I picked up Crystal's sister, April, and we drove the 11 and a half hours to New Brunswick. Um, I had a great drive. The traffic was lovely. And there really is no such thing as traffic in New Brunswick. Uh, when we were going out on our excursions, there were at one point we had like maybe six cars on the highway and that's what they consider traffic. It was rush hour, <laughs> but there is no traffic in New Brunswick ever. Like 90% of the time when you're driving, there are no other cars on the road. It's kind of eerie. Um, hang on. Oh, I can't do this. I'm going to break my arm. All right, you're going to have to listen to me get up for a minute. I'll keep talking. But anyway. Um, all right, so that's fun. Okay, so. Just closed the window because I was tired of listening to Elwin. Ugh. They're right underneath my, my living room window. So. Um, 
yeah, it was a nice drive. April was, we had a good conversation. Um, unfortunately, my radio doesn't work, so we didn't have any music. Um, ow. But yeah, the drive there was great. No traffic, smooth sailing. Of course, you know, you hit Quebec, the province that never ends. Um, and you're in Quebec for about six hours out of the 11-hour trip. Six of those hours. The other five hours are split between Ontario and New Brunswick. But the bulk, the solid six hours are in Quebec. So you feel like you're never getting out of Quebec. Now, April is a big coffee drinker. I thought I was a big coffee drinker, but I only drink coffee in the morning. She drinks it whenever. It doesn't matter if it's nine o'clock at night and she's going to bed in 15 minutes. She'll have a coffee. I'm trying to figure, okay, it's music. The pub whatever across the road seems to think that the entire street needs to hear the music that they're playing. But um, it's the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun, so I'm not going to complain. I like that song. Listen carefully, you can hear it. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's our musical interlude, and that's all I can play because, you know, copyright issues. Um, so she want, we stopped for gas and where we stopped happened to have a Tim Hortons. This is in Quebec. Quebec doesn't like English speaking people. Quebec doesn't like anybody who isn't from Quebec. But if you're English speaking and you live in Quebec, they still don't like you. They don't like anybody who speaks English or anybody who's not from Quebec. That's just the way it is. They, they are rude they are purposely ignorant. It's just, and, and she, we were splitting on the gas and April felt the need to have to pay cash for her portion of the gas. And I should have said, just, I'll put it on my card. Just give me the cash because and she had to go into the store and speak to the person behind the counter. So, and for some reason, some of the pumps in Quebec, like most of the gas stations in Ontario, well, all of the gas stations in Ontario, um, you don't have to prepay at the pump. You pump your gas, you go in, you pay for your gas. Well, you put your card in the machine and you pay by debit. We're a very trusting province, apparently. Quebec, not so much. You have to prepay for your gas. Well, it was kind of hard because I was so used to estimating mom's car when we were in Florida, driving back from Florida. So I was having, and gas prices are a little insane right now. Um, so I was having a hard time guesstimating how much gas I needed to put into my car. So she'd go in, she'd pay, we'd have to go back in and get, you know, change because it wouldn't put that much in. Anyway, so she wants a coffee. So I go in with her because she has had brain surgery. She has a brain injury and she gets very frustrated and her go-to response is anger. And she starts yelling and she gets upset and we, I didn't want that. I didn't want her to get confused. I didn't want her to get upset. Um, and I didn't want the person on the other side of the counter to be getting confused and upset because they don't understand each other. So I go in with her. 
and we get up to it's our turn at the cash and i look at the girl and i said english and she looked at me terrified and went no okay but i held up my finger i'm like bear with me so i had to order her coffee in french i knew enough french words for what she wanted in her coffee to be able to get it out so she wanted a large coffee triple triple three cream three sugar and 10 plain timbits so i had to order grand cafe trois creme trois sugar sucre a 10 timbit ordinaire now she gave me the glazed timbits but you know what we were just going to go with it and get out she understood the coffee order that was all and she actually corrected my pronunciation of sugar it i was saying sucre and it's sucre just you stop at the r there's no you stop at the r there's no e so yeah three cream three sugar um and april's just looking at me she's like oh i would i'm so glad you're here <laughs> like oh, don't ask for anything else because i can't help you um but i read a lot and you kind of do word association you're reading the french on like it says bread and you're reading it and uh you know pain that's what bread is or you see the word milk and then because everything in in ontario everything in canada is written in english and then written in french except in quebec it's written in french and if you're lucky it might be written in english but most of the time it's not we are a bilingual country except in quebec they seem to think they have different rules for them um like all all gas pumps are bilingual in canada except for quebec all ingredients all instructions all street signs are in french and english except in quebec everything is in french there very rarely will you find an english word and we found we were all we figured we were trying to figure out if we were out of quebec yet and April's like, I see English words. Well, what are they? Johnny something. That's somebody's name. What was the word before it? She's like, I don't know. And we saw the sign again. She goes, that's it. Ah, traverse. Okay. So no, still in, in Quebec because traverse is travel. <laughs> it's French. Um, but yeah, I told her we weren't stopping again until we were out of Quebec. And then coming back. Um, I was trying to only have to gas up once in Quebec. Didn't turn out that way. But we got lucky. I managed to push us close enough to the Ontario provincial line that the gas station that we stopped at, the dude in the gas station spoke in the store spoke English, like fluent English. You couldn't tell he was French. And the kid in the Tim Hortons spoke enough english that we could understand each other until he gave april her coffee and it wasn't hot enough and she gave it back it's not hot enough. I'm, oh no i'm going out to the car he speaks enough english you two can figure it out i'm going to the car i will meet you in the car the poor kid was terrified <laughs> april likes her coffee lawsuit scalding And nobody except apparently Tim Hortons in New Brunswick could get it hot enough. 
So, yeah, there's that. Um, anyway, so we got there Saturday night. And Sunday, we just kind of vegemagated around the house. Um, I don't think we went anywhere Sunday. I think, oh, we might have went into, we might have gone into Grand Falls. No, I don't think we did anything. Sunday's kind of a blur. The whole week is kind of a blur. So the events, the preceding events might be a little bit out of order. Um, I don't think we did anything Sunday. I think we just kind of unwound, relaxed. We worked outside in the garden, uh, worked around. The, oh, Chris, that's right. Crystal had to work Sunday. So she left us a list of suggestions that, you know, we could do if we were bored. <laughs> Mine uh, consisted of physical labor outside and April's consisted of putting dishes in the china cabinet. Uh-huh. And getting all her, her tea cups clean. Because for some reason, um, whenever we go there, Brian doesn't clean the teacups, the mugs properly. And tea stains if you don't wash it. It stains. Um, and Crystal's cups are always in need of bleach. So that is April's job. She bleaches all of them and they're white when she leaves and they're brown when she comes back. Anyway, so Monday we decided we went shopping Monday, didn't we? Yes, we went shopping Monday. We went to went into Grand Falls because I kept teasing April that the last time I was there in October, they had all of the chutes open on the dam. So the water was just roaring over the falls and I got some great pictures. I got video and when she was there, she was there in the summer so they didn't need to generate as much electricity. So they had all the chutes closed and it was just dry rocks. <laughs> she was not happy. So we went into Grand Falls and luckily enough, they had two of the chutes open. So it created enough of a falls that she was happy with that. We got out, we took some picture. We didn't do that Monday because it was raining, but we did see it. The chutes were open. Um, we... We went to Walmart. We went to the dollar store. I got a couple of new games for my PlayStation uh, because the Walmart here doesn't have games in the $20 range. They're all in the $40 and $50 range. They don't have the discount games. Well, the Walmart in New Brunswick in Grand Falls does. So I got Guardians of the Galaxy and I got a Star Wars game that actually came with two games in one. There's the Jedi Academy, and then I can't remember what the other one is. So I was excited about that. I got some new sports bras, um, which I'm really excited about because, you know, my favorite sports bras in California. Uh, and we just kind of, you know, putzed around and came back to the house. And I got some new nail polish. It's kind of cool. And we went to the dollar store and we didn't really do much on Monday. And then Tuesday, what did we do Tuesday? We went back out Tuesday and did something. Oh, we went back to the falls so that April, because it was nice and sunny. It was hot. Um, yeah, we went back to the falls so April could get pictures. Um, we took some selfies. And then Crystal had left the girls' day out in charge, left me in charge of girls' day out. 
Now, we wanted to do one day where we went out and we did something. We went somewhere. We got in the car. We drove for a few hours. We went somewhere. When April came up in the summer, her and Crystal went to the Bay of Fundy and stuck their feet in the Atlantic Ocean. I have stuck my feet in salt water, so sticking my toes in the Atlantic Ocean was not a big deal for me. I didn't need to go and do that. I have stuck my feet in... Um, the Pacific, the Pacific Ocean. I stuck my feet in the Gulf of Mexico. I swam in salt water. It's not a big deal. I'm, you know, knowing my luck, I would stick my toes into the Atlantic Ocean and a little teeny tiny baby shark out there would go, ooh, lupitos, and I would have one attached to my baby toe. That would just be my luck. So it didn't make a difference to me. I didn't have a whole lot of money. And I wanted to do stuff that was kind of off the normal touristy things, um, weird things. Like I, I get such a kick when I'm in California and we go buy it. I, I get downright giddy every time we go buy the world's largest thermometer. It just, it's like the coolest thing for me. I just think that's, that's just the coolest thing. And whenever we go into Victorville and there's that big sign, you know, welcome to Route 66 and that whole, that just, it's, it's very cool to me. I love that kind of stuff. So they left me in charge of Girls' Day. And I said to Crystal, I said, okay, so haunted things are out because the East Coast is pretty much haunted from one end to the other. You get anywhere near um, Nova Scotia, and you're dealing with Titanic because that is where they brought all the bodies from when the Titanic sunk because it sank just off the shore of Nova Scotia. Bet you didn't know that, did you? Yeah, he did not. <laughs> so yeah, they have a Titanic museum. They actually have artifacts from the Titanic. A lot of the people that died on the Titanic are buried in Nova Scotia. So, yeah, it's very cool. The East Coast is haunted from end to end because you have the Atlantic Ocean right there. People die, drown when um, a lot of when Canada was being occupied, when it was being settled, they came to the East Coast from Ireland and England and all of those places. And they landed in Newfoundland and PEI and Nova Scotia and then worked their way inland to New Brunswick Quebec, Ontario, and so on. Um, yeah, there's actually a town in Ontario right near the Quebec border, which was one of the first towns that were settled in Quebec called Loyalist Village. <laughs> yeah. Um, ow, I had a pimple. Oh, I do, right there. I just felt it. It hurts. <laughs> what the hell? Anyway. So, um, yeah, it's very haunted. And I said that and Chris is like, oh, no, 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 I don't think April would be interested in that. So I said when I was playing, I said, okay, so haunted stuff is out. And April's like, why? I'm like, well, Crystal said you wouldn't like it. And she says, well, she lied. I'm like, All right. Haunted stuff is back in. She's like, I'm with you too. I know I'm fine. Oh, great. Okay. Thanks. So haunted stuff was back in. Now, we didn't want to do a lot of, like we didn't want to spend five hours in the car just driving to a place. 
we wanted the trip to be like six hours round trip. So we decided that we were going to go to, and I should have pulled these up um, when I was pulling up all my stuff. So we went to, first place we went to was Gray's Island Cemetery. Hopefully I spelled that right. Excuse me. Okay, so we went to the Grays Island Cemetery because we wanted to experience the Grays Island ghost. Now, this actually has its own um, urban legend status on mynewbrunswick.ca, which I thought was really cool. There's no admission. It's just a cemetery down a children of the corn kind of road. Um, you pass, so you turn onto the road. And there is a house and a little cabin on your right and then nothing. Just fields. Fields and fields. And then you come to the forest. And as you drive through the opening of the forest, there is the wrought iron archway to the cemetery. It's a very old cemetery. So, um... You go in and you, you, you were driving in and we're getting farther and farther in and farther and farther down <laughs> to the point where we finally reached the edge of the cliff and we had to make this really sharp 90 degree turn. Um, wasn't quite sure if we were going to make it. Oh, that's what the statue looks like with all of her. Okay. So when we got there, the head was missing. Now there's a statue there. It's white stone. It's a white stone replica of the lady that is buried in that gravesite. Now, you might mistake her for a traditional Catholic grave marker. She kind of resembles the Virgin Mary. Um, but when we got there, we didn't get to see the head, so she was decapitated Virgin Mary. And they have removed the hand. Now, rumor has it that she was carved to match the lady buried beneath her. As distraught husband with more money than sense had her made to keep his wife alive and he would, you know, lay draped around the bottom of the stone. Um, in the years since, one of her delicate hands has gone missing. Somebody has taken the hand. Now, the legend is that she had touched so many people and scared so many people that they removed the hand to prevent her from doing that. Um... In the years since, one of her hands has gone missing, no doubt taken as a ghoulish souvenir by one of the many haunted places pilgrims who've trekked into the cemetery after dark with plans to challenge the semi-famous ghost. Now, this is in Hillsborough, and um, Our Lady of the Graveyard is also noted for her empty eyes. Perhaps shiny decorative fakes have been removed, or maybe she was carved with deliberately vague eyes, is after the statue was placed it was really hard to be accurate about her history in any case the eyes are the essential feature of this reputed haunting but then again i guess it depends on the storyteller since i was sold an entirely different version this is the writer was sold a different version in their teens now the legend that we were told that what we found was that if you close your eyes and walk around the base of the statue in a circle three times it's always three times always three times go around three times and you stop in front of her with your back to her 
she will reach out and touch you. So, of course, we had to go and we had to try it. So April goes first and we realized when we rewatched the video because she went around and she stopped and she said nothing happened and she looked very disappointed and she has an incredible disappointed face. Like I don't know how she manages to get her face to be a, a, an, up, a, an upside down U but she did. Really cool. Um, so she was very disappointed. So then Crystal had to go. She goes around three times and she kind of she's doing this little wiggle and I'm like what is she feeling but she's not saying anything. So then I go and I'm standing there and at first there's nothing. And then like even as I'm talking about it now, um, you get this feeling up your spine like somebody is standing behind you watching you. Now I know it's a stone statue behind me, but it doesn't feel like a stone statue behind me anymore. Um, so then April's like, so then I say, I say that. It's like, so it's like somebody's running their fingers up and down my spine and I've got that weird buttery fly butterfly feeling in my stomach and crystal's like yes that's what i felt and april's like well i didn't feel nothing now on review of the video it's because she went around four times she actually made a fourth pass to get back to where she was to get to the front of the statue because she started at the back so this time we had her start in the right place she went around three times she turned around she's like oh Oh, I can feel that too. And I mean, I don't know if it was um, mass hallucination, if it was just, you know, one person says something, so then everybody starts to experience it. But it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, we could see the ocean from where we were. It was really neat. It, it, I, I think at one point it was the Steve's family graveyard because a lot of the tombstones said Steve's. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So, oh, there's the head. Well, where did they put the head? Ooh, her eyes are really creepy. Um, so yeah, apparently the husband was so overtaken with grief. Um, he would curl around the base of the statue, which is kind of hard because it's sitting on a big block. Um, night after night after night, and then year, a few years later, his grief overtook him, and they found him curled around the statue's base, dead. So, um, okay, her hand went missing. Cover your eyes, walk three times around the statue, stand with your back to the Gray's Island lady, and she'll reach out and tap you on the shoulder. That's the legend that we heard. That's why her hand was taken. Too many people were frightened so bad they were taken away to the hospital. The cemetery staff thought if they removed the hand, no one would be tapped on the shoulder. Ghosts don't need marble hands to touch you. <laughs> Just an FYI. If they want to reach out and touch you, they're gonna. Um... Oh, somebody uh, corrected the spelling of gray. <laughs> it's not G-R-E-Y. It's G-R-A-Y. <laughs> um, the head of the statue was stolen many years ago and someone recently returned it. They interviewed the lady's descendants and they are possibly planning to restore the statue. 
that's kind of cool that was in 2021 or 2021 um they haven't done it yet but you know covid so after that i planned an excursion to where did we go ah to magnetic hill now magnetic hill is actually on like the world bucket list of things to do it's an example of a gravity hill a type of optical illusion created by rising and descending terrain and it's located at the northwestern edge of the city of Moncton in New Brunswick now um, they have a bunch of little shops and and stuff that you can do but we didn't they were all closed but we didn't care we weren't there to go to the zoo we weren't there to see the little funky shops we weren't there to get lobster ice cream we wanted the hill no it's not lobster flavored ice cream it's not ice cream made out of no um we wanted the hill so we drive around the thing and get to the hill and there's a minivan coming up and the guy rolls the window down and he says good luck with that it didn't work for us I'm like, well, okay, we're going to try it anyway. So we do exactly what the sign says. We drive down on the right side and pull over onto the left side and line up the nose of your car with the white post, put it into neutral, take your feet off the gas, and hang on because it pulls you backwards up the hill. And it pulls you backwards fairly quickly. Um, so we go flying up the hill. We get to the top of the hill. The three of us are in the car screeching away like a bunch of fishwives like oh my god it worked holy crap it worked we can't believe it worked and we pull over and the the car full of the three guys is still sitting there and they're looking at us and i'm like you gotta line your car right up right the nose of your car exactly with the post oh okay so they go back down the hill and they try it again and sure enough following the correct directions up the hill they come <laughs> they get to the top of the hill and they're like yeah told you we did it three more times we we actually even kicked crystal out of the car put her on the side of the road so that she could take video of us flying by her and then i gave april the phone and she's taking video as we go by crystal and all you see is like this blur <laughs> there goes crystal oh it was so much fun to do this and didn't cost us a dime so in the 19th century a cart path was built from the city in the south onto the ridge the path was subsequently expanded during the early 20th century and during the age of an autumn of the automobile circa 1931 it was noticed that in one point near the base of the ridge when driving south motorists were required to accelerate in order to prevent rolling backwards what appeared to be uphill and the thing is is when you're sitting in the vehicle and you're looking you're looking downhill um the novelty became known as magnetic hill and was more or less an amusing local attraction for residents and visitors to try eventually with the rise in tourism after the second world war along with local highway construction which saw a mountain road bypass built further west from magnetic hill the roughly one kilometer segment of gravel road became one of Moncton's prime tourist attractions. It is now a paved road. It is no longer gravel. Um, 
It's on the Petit Kodiak River. Magnetic Hill is now a historic property. Which I didn't know. To experience Magnetic Hill today, drivers must pay up some money, which we did not have to because it was closed and we just drove around the gate. There's only a gate on one side of the road. We drove on the other side of the road <laughs> and around the gate uh, to drive the cars to the end of the road, which has been preserved. When a car is placed in neutral, it would begin to roll backwards, apparently uphill. Observers will also note that water in the adjacent drainage ditches also seems seemingly runs uphill. Magnetic Hill is one of several Canadian icons mentioned in the Stompin' Tom Connors song, Cross Canada. <laughs> Later covered as C-A-N-A-D-A by Raffi in the Banana Phone album. And if you're not Canadian, you probably don't know who either one of those people are. I am going to introduce my live studio audience to Stompin' Tom Connors later. He may not like me after. We may not be on speaking terms after. He may actually reconsider our relationship after. But I'm going to introduce him to introduce him to it anyway. You know, the boys are out to bingo and... Oh, no, the girls are out to bingo and the boys are getting stinky. Yeah. Sudbury Saturday night. <laughs> oh, wait till you hear Bud the Spud. Bud the Spud from the bright red rug rolling down the highway smiling. <laughs> or a talkie night in Canada. Yep. Tom, Stompin' Tom Connors is a Canadian icon. He never made it big outside of Canada. Not like Gordon Lightfoot, who is the ultimate Canadian icon, along with Gord Downey. Two Gords. Um, but Stompin' Tom was ours, and we loved him. And... You didn't have to like his music, but everybody sang along when his songs came on because that's just how it was. So we ended our trip. We went into Shediac from Moncton to see the world's largest. Now, what do you think we would see in the Atlantic provinces? That's right, the world's largest lobster. What? <laughs> My live studio audience is in a mood tonight. Holy moly. Okay, so the world's largest lobster. Unfortunately, we couldn't get to... Like, we could get to the world's largest lobster. Um, we laid eyeballs on the world's largest lobster. We could not touch the world's largest lobster. Because the road that we were on was under construction. So getting into the parking lot where the world's largest lobster was would have been easy. Getting out would have been a nightmare. So we drove by it, we looked at it, and then I googled a picture. And found a good picture of what we had just seen. I'm, I'm one of those people. I wanted to see, we were not specific. We wanted to see the world's largest lobster. Well, guess what? We achieved that goal. We saw it. There it was in all of its 44-pound glory. Right there up on this big rock thing that they had built for him. They had a life-sized uh, fisherman statue built standing beside the claw of the world's largest lobster. And he, okay, you know a lobster claw, how it has the little thumb piece 
and then the big flat flippy piece. Well, the dude is about the size of the little thumb piece. Okay. Freaking big lobster. So, it's a concrete reinforced steel statue in Shediac. Sculpted by Canadian artist Winston Bronham. The statue is 11 meters long and 5 meters tall. Weighing 90 tons. The sculpture was commissioned by the Shediac Rotary Club as a tribute to the town's lobster fishing industry. The sculpture took three years to complete at the cost of $170,000. It attracts 500,000 visitors per year. Contrary to popular belief, this is not actually the world's largest lobster. As the title went to the Big Lobster statue in Kingston, South Australia. Until, until 2015, when Kuai Jing, China, built a 100-ton lobster crayfish. So, yeah. It's a big lobster. And we saw it. And it's still, to me, the world's largest lobster. Now, the world's largest lobster caught, fresh lobster caught, was a 44-pounder caught off Nova Scotia in 1977. So. I beg your pardon? You can't say USA. It was Nova Scotia. 1977. The year you were born. Of course. Okay. I love you. <laughs> you are adorable. Anyway, so yes, we went and saw the world's largest lobster. Now, we couldn't get to the world's largest lobster. So that is actually where our adventure begins. We decide, we stopped, we did, down the road, we stopped at the A&W. Now, I don't know if you have A&W in the States. You have A&W in the States? So you know the big root bear. So we went down the road, went to the A&W, and we decided we were going to have lunch because we were kind of hungry. And while we were having lunch, we decided, all right, we need to do something else while we're here. Just driving by, looking at the world's largest lobster is not enough of a, a, a give to warrant driving to Shediac, which was about 30 minutes from Magnetic Hill. So... I start Googling, Crystal wants to put her toes into the ocean. So I start Googling beaches. Now, we were on a, on a theme by this point of not spending money other than what we spent on gas and what we spent on having to feed ourselves because, you know, two diabetics and a fat chick. We need to eat. Um, so she wants to put her feet in the, in the ocean we're not, she doesn't want to pay for it. The only beach I could find was Parlay Beach, and you have to pay to get onto Parlay Beach. We didn't want to do that just to stick our toes in the ocean. So then I thought, well, let's go to the harbor. So we Google the harbor. We start going down the road, following the directions, and we meet more construction. Apparently, every province is under construction. So I turn right down this little road, and I'm like, the, the water is right there. We're looking at it. We are about 100 meters, 200 meters from the water. I can smell it. It's right there. So we get out and I go to see if, because it's low tide, so the water's out fairly far. I go to see if we can actually get down to the sand part because there's kids farther down playing in the water and on the sand part. Now where we were, 
when the water fills it up, these little reed things all stand up and wave back and forth and, you know, look like hair. And when it goes out, they lie down flat and they get very crispy and kind of spongy but solid in the sun. So I start walking out and there's old driftwood and, and bits of wooden dock that you can step on. And I'm like, yes, yes, we can do this. We can do this. So we start walking out. And of course, you know, Crystal and her sister are shrieking behind me. Um, they're stepping on the spongy and, and they're like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No sooner did I say it's fine than I went through the spongy up to halfway almost to my knee in the ocean. So I did actually stick my toe, five of them, and an entire foot, half a leg, into the ocean. And then instead of helping pull me out because, you know, suction, uh, the two other people that I am with have now turned around and are running back to solid ground. Going, we're out, we're out, we're out. Wait, hello? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> my foot is stuck in, I don't know what, and I don't know what's down there. There could be a crab eyeballing my big toe, for all I know. There was a big sign that said, don't eat the crustaceans. That means there's crustaceans. So I'm trying to like pull my, my foot out and not lose my sandal in the process because I thought it'd be a good idea to wear cute little sandals instead of running shoes. But if I had worn running shoes, my entire foot and my sock would have been wet. At least my leather sandals, they kind of dried. So finally get my foot out with a big out it came back up the spongy as fast as I possibly could and I did find treasure I was very pleased I found some clamshells which are no big deal I find them on the beaches here but I found a teeny tiny little exoskeleton of a crab with his little crabby thingies I don't know what happened to him he was bleached white it was really cool um and a little crabby claw and took him back to the car gave him to crystal so I could go and like wipe off my feet in the grass because they're covered in these little straw-like stuff and then I forgot them in her car. So they're still in New Brunswick. <laughs> but I did have treasure. So we drive back home. And it was a great day. Now, Crystal drove there. And I got to actually look out the window at all the sites. And it, it's, it's a, she drove all week. Which is a rare thing for me. Because I usually do all the driving. I am more comfortable behind the wheel. Um, I don't mind doing the highways. She gets a little uncomfortable on the highways, especially if there's traffic. I don't mind going through the big cities. She gets a little nervous. So I usually do the driving. Uh, and her, her arthritis kicks in and she's just a gnarled mess. So I usually do all the driving. So she wanted to, you know, do her part. So she drove to Moncton and then I drove from Moncton to Shediac and from Shediac back to, to, uh, um, where the heck does she... Perth Andover. Like, where does she live? Where was I? Um, so on the way there, I actually got to see some of the signs for the little towns. And we passed two really interesting ones. Now, the first one was really kind of cool. And it's Woodstock. Woodstock, New Brunswick. Now, Woodstock is a town in Carleton County, New Brunswick. Um, on the St. John River. Which, again, if you've taken Canadian geography or even Canadian history, you've heard of the St. John River. It's 103 kilometers upriver from Fredericton at the mouth 
of the I can't pronounce that uh, river. It is near the Can the, the Can oh, Wow the Canada. I sound like an American trying to say Canada. Um, it is near the Canada United States border and Holton, Maine, and the intersection of Interstate 95 and the Trans-Canada Highway, making it a transportation hub. It is also a service center for the potato industry and for more than 26,000 people in the nearby communities of Heartland, Florenceville, Bristol, Centerville, Bath, and Lakeland Ridges for shopping, employment, and entertainment. Woodstock was possibly named after Woodstock, Woodstock Oxfordshire. The name is Old English in origin, meaning a clearing in the woods. New Brunswick historian William Francis Ganog believed the parish, and later town, was named in honor of Viscount Woodstock, a junior title of the Duke of Portland, Prime Minister of Great Britain, when the Loyalists arrived in New Brunswick. And I was actually telling Dave earlier that in Ontario, we have, right on the Ontario-Quebec border, we have a town called Loyalist Village. Um, on January 1st, 2023, Woodstock expanded in all directions, annexing all or part of six local service districts. Now, little is known of the area before it was settled by disbanded veterans of Delancey's Brigade following the American Revolutionary War. The veterans moved here in the late seven, in late 1783. The 26,000 acre grant was to 110 men. Not all took up the offer, and though of those who did, not all stayed. By 1970, only 23 families were present, and by 1804, only 10 of the original men had possession of the land. According to the diaries of Frederick Dibley, mills were present from 1805. Export of timber via the St. John River began about this time. When Carleton County was created in 1831, Woodstock was made county seat, and a jail, courthouse, and registry office were installed. From 1837, William Teal Baird operated a pharmacy. Now, they say Woodstock is the first settlement in New Brunswick. Um... trying to find the good stuff so this is all just local the rest of it's all just kind of local um what's happening now uh on the 12th of july 1847 a riot took place at the corner of victoria and boyney streets near the site of the orange hall built in 1848 and now a vacant lot it was a conflict between protestant irish immigrants <laughs> of the Orange Order and Catholic Irish immigrants. Around 250 Orangemen clashed, clashed with an equal number of Irish Catholics, leading to 10 deaths and many more injuries as a result of years of tension. Subsequently, only Catholics were brought to trial. <laughs> now, you need to understand that in Ireland and England, um, and Scotland, for that matter, the Protestants and the Catholics fight, to this day, still fight venomously. They hate each other. Um, 
The town was the first in New Brunswick to be incorporated in 1856. The first mayor was Lewis P. Fisher. He was made provisions. He made provisions in his will for the building of several. Let's try that again. Wow, I completely lost all the letters in that word. Take two action. <laughs> um, the town was first. I don't even know where I am now. Good heavens. Okay, so Mayor Lewis P. Fisher. He made provisions in his will for the building of several educational institutions, among them the first agricultural and vocation school in Canada. Yay! And the L.P. Fisher Public Library. Oh, yeah, there's a public library in Sutton. I'm going to get a library card. In 1861, the newly built railway between St. Andrews and Woodstock was seized by several hundred navvies, angry at not being paid. A peaceful settlement was later made personally by Arthur, Ham Arthur Hamilton Gordon. Uh, the first telephone was installed in 1885. A homemade telephone whose wires ran between the home, his home and shop. The Bell Telephone Company later opened a small telephone exchange in his store. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we drove past the first um, settlement in what in New Brunswick. It was very, very cool. Now, the one that really kind of caught my attention and uh, kind of made me snicker and want to actually look up the history of this and um, learn more about it was New Maryland. Drove by a sign that said, welcome, and on the sign, you know, the town sign, we were driving down the highway and there's like a big welcome to says welcome to new maryland new brunswick last fatal duel dot 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 and resting place and it's got two guns crossed that is exactly what oh exit 285a that is exactly what it says now welcome the welcome sign is located on route two which is where we were according to wikipedia New Maryland is a village in central New Brunswick located south of Fredericton, south of Route 2, and Route 101. As of 2011, the population was 4,232. Its population meets the requirements for town status under the Municipalities Act of the province of New Brunswick, but as yet has not been officially proclaimed a town. Still a village. The name New Maryland has been used to describe a farming community and parish for over a hundred years. But in the 1970s and 1980s, several suburban subdivisions were constructed in the area. New Maryland was officially incorporated as a village in 1991. So it's only been a village since 1991. Virtually all the village's residents now commute to Fredericton. Now, New Maryland is the site of the last fatal gun duel in New Brunswick, which occurred between George Frederick Street and George Ludlow Wetmore. This proclamation appears on the sign for New Maryland on the adjacent Trans-Canada Highway Route 2. Uh, oh, come on. Give me more information. I want the Wikipedia. I need more info. 
tell your mom I said hey. I thought you were going to say something. Sorry, there was like a dead, dead air. You don't normally get dead air in my podcasts. There's never usually any dead air anymore. So, yeah, that was kind of weird, dead air. Oh, bills, mail. Yay! That's always fun. Um, Village of New Maryland. I'm trying to see. It's too small. I can't read it. Yes, it's. I see. It's white. It's plastic. It was the one that was missing. Ah, okay. So, uh, Village of New Maryland. Wikipedia. Oh, found it. Okay, finally. Okay, so it's a bedroom village. Um, my eyes aren't focusing, so you'll have to bear with me. So the village gets its name from a settler, Mr. Arnold, who traveled to the area from the state of Maryland, USA, in 1817. Not a word. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Nope. Bite your tongue. Good boy. Um... The area was originally referred to as Maryland or Maryland Hill, but began to be referred to as New Maryland in 1825. New Maryland is the site of the last fatal gun duel in New Brunswick, which occurred between, as I said, George Frederick Street and George Ludlow Wetmore. They were probably fighting over the fact that they both had the same name. On October 2nd, eight, okay, you know what? The, 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 coincidences in that sentence alone are just like freaking me out i used to live on frederick street when i was pregnant with my daughter i well, yeah i lived on 420 frederick street but anyway i lived on frederick street when i was pregnant with my daughter my daughter was born and brought home to the house on frederick street she was born october 2nd let me read that sentence for you again. New Maryland is the site of the last fatal gun duel in New Brunswick, which occurred between George Frederick Street and George Ludlow Wetmore on October 2nd, 1821. Holy crap, that's just freaky. This proclamation appears on the sign for New Maryland. I want to know more about the duel. Why? They have nothing about the duel. That's what I'm trying to find out is about the duel. Ah, there it is. No, no, they shot each other. It was a gun duel. <laughs> okay, did you know that New Maryland was the location of the last fatal duel? You probably do because I've said it about four times now. Just over 200 years ago, not five. The subsequent trial was politically and historically significant. On September 22nd, 2022, the village of New Maryland hosted a reenactment of the Wetmore Street duel and trial. A second presentation, held in October, was videoed as part of this project. A copy of the video can be viewed at the following link. Ooh! Ooh! I might have to uh, watch that. So anyway, the quarrel began 
innocently enough with a simple case of mistaken identity. See, George and George. I told you they were fighting over the name. George Frederick Street, a respected attorney from one of New Brunswick's most prominent families, had directed the sheriff to arrest Jacob Smith Sr. when the writ had actually been issued for Jacob Smith Jr. Ah, the senior Smith, who was not on good terms with his son in the first place, was understandably annoyed by the mistake and charged the sheriff with false arrest and imprisonment, engaging the services of George Ludlow Wetmore, another prominent attorney. Oh, lawyers shooting at each other. Surprise. Since the wrong men had unquestionably been arrested, the case was indefensible, and Street, acting for the sheriff, chose to sign a judgment by default and have damages assessed by a sheriff's jury. The assessment proceedings brought procedural wrangles and raised questions of propriety, and by the time the court adjourned on September 29, 1821, both attorneys were in a foul temper. Outside the courtroom, onlookers heard a heated discussion of ethics and mutually unflattering remarks about the professional integrity of each man. Some later reported that Street had actually struck Wetmore, but the attorney maintained that he had merely raised his hand. Wetmore's father, Thomas, who held the post of Attorney General for the province, came between the battling barristers and it seemed that the incident was at an end. For George Wetmore, however, it was far from settled. As he sat before his hearth that evening, the young lawyer's anger blazed as brightly as the fire in front of him. He was oblivious to the sounds of his wife, pregnant with their fourth child, setting the children for the night. Street's insults and the raised hand consumed him until his thoughts took a dangerous turn. At eleven o'clock the next morning, Street answered a summons to his door to find John Winslow acting as a second for Wetmore with a formal challenge to a duel. Surprised and shaken, Street nonetheless agreed to meet Wetmore, provided that the contest be fought near Fredericton as soon as possible. As a good second show, Winslow tried to dissuade Wetmore from going ahead with the duel. On Monday, Winslow again went to Street with the proposal that if Street would make a public apology, Wetmore would withdraw his challenge. Street declined, and the parties agreed to meet at Maryland Hill, four miles from Fredericton, the following morning. Although dueling was a well-established practice in Europe by the 1800s and was not unknown in New Brunswick, it was illegal by 1821. Accordingly, the impending meeting was only known to the principals and their seconds. The wives and children involved were blissfully unaware that two lives were hanging in the balance. Heavy mists hung under leaden skies as dawn broke that morning of October 2nd. Street and his second, Richard Davies, created crested Maryland Hill at 6 a.m. and waited about half an hour for Wetmore and Winslow. Four men tethered their horses and walked to a clearing behind John Seagy's farm, which was hidden from the house by woods. The seconds measured off 15 paces and the principals solemnly took their places. The provisions of weapons had been left up to Wetmore since Street owned no firearms and one was slightly inferior to the other. The seconds drew lots, and Street got the better weapon. 
The seconds loaded the pistols, being careful not to put in too much powder to kill their own man with a weapon that exploded on firing. <laughs> that would be bad. They handed the pistols, fully cocked, to the principals and moved to the sidelines. Davy barked out the rules. Pistols at your sides until ordered to fire. When ordered, raise one arm and fire as quickly as possible without aiming or stopping. There wasn't much point to careful aiming since pistols didn't shoot straight before changes to the bore were made in 1830. Fire, shouted Davies. Both men fired and both stood unhurt, immensely relieved. The seconds declared that honor had been satisfied and the duel should stop. Wetmore insisted on one more shot. Dueling etiquette demanded an exchange of weapons for a second shot. Perhaps Wetmore felt that he could succeed with superior pistol. Fire! Two more shots split the air, and this time Wetmore slumped to the ground, blood spurting from his arm and head. Street's ball had entered the extended arm above the wrist and exited below the elbow before veering into Wetmore's skull. <laughs> When the others reached him, Wetmore was still alive, but barely. Dreadfully agitated, Street knelt beside the fallen Wetmore and cradled his blood bloodied opponent in his arms while Winslow ran to the farmhouse to get help. He gave the barest details and mentioned no names. John Seagy sent one of his sons for a doctor while he and another son helped carry Wetmore to the house. As soon as Street and the seconds heard Horses returning, they mounted and rode hard for St. Andrews. Mounted on fresh horses, they then crossed the border at Robinstown, Maine, where they fled to the U.S. Wetmore, <laughs> Wetmore was, well, you know, I guess during the war, most of the U.S. fled to Canada to escape. Um, I, didn't, I didn't say you. I didn't say you. A lot of the hippies in the 60s fled to Canada to escape being, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? Drafted. I got it. Uh, Whitmore was pronounced dead at 10.07 a.m., and the coroner quickly raised a hue and cry for the fugitives, undoubtedly pressed by friends of the Wetmores who were demanding justice. The reward of 10 pounds each for Street, Winslow, and Davies was never claimed, however. Street and Davies decided to face the music and surrendered in December. They were brought to trial on February 21st, 1822. Winslow remained in exile considerably longer. The trial presided over by Chief Justice John Sanders was something of a farce. There seemed to be an unspoken agreement among the parties involved that Wetmore was as street much was as street much to blame for his own demise as street. There was nothing to be gained from a hanging. John C.G. and his sons, Abraham and Isaac, testified that they couldn't positively identify the prisoners and had not recognized the men with Wetmore that fateful morning. In this charge to the jury, in his charge to the jury, Judge Saunders instructed them that should there be any doubt in cases of this kind, you acquit the prisoners. But in this case, it is not in any shape legally brought home. One evidence mentioning the dress of Mr. Street said he had on a black, a blue or black. It is provided by two witnesses, brother of the party, that he never wore a blue or black coat. The jury followed the judge's lead and voted for acquittal. Restored to his law practice and the bosom of his family, Street began to pick up the threads of his life. 
although he runs at representing York County at the elections of 1827 and 1830 were unsuccessful, he went on to become a judge of the Supreme Court. By the time he died at 68, his wife and three children had all predeceased him. Street later wrote that my honor and respectability are dearer to me than life, and when I am placed in a situation that obliges me to sacrifice both the former and risk the latter, I cannot for a moment hesitate which course to take. There are circumstances that may justify a man, even in the opinion of the world, in refusing a challenge, but this was not a case of that description, and had I refused to go out with him, I felt confident that I should have been condemned by every member of society and disgraced. Good heavens! Whatever Street's feelings, Wetmore's widow lived out the rest of her 94 years without once mentioning the duel. Her four children maintained the prominent profile of the family, with one son becoming a judge of the Supreme Court and later Premier of New Brunswick. Although two such illustrious families traveling in the same circles were often to meet, the Streets and the Wetmores never spoke again. <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of, I, I needed to know the history of that sign. The fact that, you know, it's the last fatal duel and resting place. So that was rather, something rather interesting that, um, oh, shh, I saw on the drive. Um, and that, and then what did we do Thursday? Oh, and then there was something else that I had put on the list, but we didn't actually uh, get to on Wednesday was the world's longest covered bridge. Let me Google that. I'm pretty sure it's the world's. Oh my goodness, my fingers don't want to be where they're supposed to be. You're typing and you're trying to hit O and you keep hitting P. Okay, so, and I actually have pictures of this. We couldn't walk across it because it was um, being repaired. So it's in Heartland. New Brunswick and it is a historic site and monument um, it was designated as a historic site in 1977 November 17th 1977 <laughs> everything good happens the year you were born hang on I gotta pause and wet my whistle Yep, it is the longest covered bridge extant in the world. But this is not telling me anything because it's Parks Canada and Parks Canada never tells you anything. Go to Wikipedia. It has more information. Might not always be accurate, but, you know, it's pretty close. The Heartland Covered Bridge in Heartland, New Brunswick is the world's longest covered bridge at 1,282 feet. That's a long bridge or 391 meters long. It crosses the St. John River from Heartland to Somerville, New Brunswick. The framework consists of seven small Howie trusses, truss, Howie truss bridges joined together on six piers. I don't think I would have walked across it anyway. Because, <laughs> you know, you can drive across it too. Um, no. <laughs> They know my fear of bridges. I, I, I saw it with my eyeballs from end to end. I took pictures of it. We parked in front of it. It was there. I was good. 
Before the bridge, the only way to cross the St. John River was by ferry. Plans and specifications of the bridge began in 1898, and the bridge was construction, constructed in 1901 by the Heartland Bridge Company. On May 13, 1901, Dr. Etsy was the first person to cross the bridge before its scheduled opening because he had to respond to an emergency call. Workers placed planks on the bridge so he could drive across the bridge. No! Oh, no, 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 those planks better be nailed down, concreted, bolted, cemented, crazy glued. I don't, the dude that sticks his hat to the thing and his hand, like, you know, yeah. Um, it was finally inaugurated by Justice McEwen on July 4th, 1901, before a crowd of 2,000 people was funded by tolls until it was purchased by the provincial government on May 1st, 1906. The bridge was not originally built covered. A fire in 1907 burnt some of the structure and nearly destroyed the toll house. See, don't pay to cross a bridge. Don't charge people to cross a bridge. The toll house will burn down. The tolls had been removed earlier that year. See, no use for the toll bridge, for the toll part, so they burn it down. On April 6, 1920, two spans of the bridge collapsed due to river ice. The river ice on the St. John's is insane. It has taken out houses up the sides of the riverbank. Like, we're talking iceberg-sized ice flows. It's, it's crazy. Um... The bridge reopened in 1922 after construction to repair the structure, at which time the bridge was also covered, despite some local opposition. The wooden piers were also converted to concrete. A pedestrian walkway was added to the bridge in 1945, and 1966 vandals attempted to burn the bridge down. In 1970, heavy trucks were barred from crossing the bridge. The bridge was declared a National Historic Site in 1980 and a Provincial Historic Site in 1999. In 1982, the bridge was again closed for repairs after a car struck a steel beam, causing part of the bridge to drop. <laughs> this is why I don't like bridges. The bridge was reopened to traffic on February 10th, 1983. In 2006, the town of Heartland contributed a small piece of wood from the bridge to the Six String Nation project. Part of this material now serves as one of the reinforcing stri strips on the interior of Voyager, the guitar, the guitar at the heart of the project. In, in the winter of 2007, the bridge was closed due to the central beam splitting down the middle. Okay, do you see how many times this bridge has been closed because it's broken? Um, splitting down the middle. It has since been reopened after repairs were carried out. No, it's closed again for more repairs. On July 4th, 2012, in honor of its 111th anniversary, it was celebrated with a Google Doodle on Google's Canadian homepage. You know the little Google Doodles when you open up your Google page? Yeah, the bridge got one. Uh, when the bridge was mostly used by horse and wagon, couples would stop halfway across the bridge to share a kiss. The first wedding on the bridge was celebrated in September 1992 between Charmaine LaFoley and Dana Hunt from Toronto. 
It is thought by some locals to be good luck to hold one's breath the entire way across while driving. Well, of course it's good luck. If you can hold your breath for over a thousand feet, you mean you have pretty good lungs and your breathing is not a problem. When the bridge was mostly... Oh, I already read the legends. Um, I think that's all about it. Interesting for the bridge. But yeah, it is the longest covered bridge in the world and I got to see it. So I got to see Magnetic Hill. I got to see the world's largest lobster. And I got to see the world's largest covered bridge. So I am I'm slowly adding to my... I still have the world's largest ball of twine on my list. Um, the world's largest fiddle, which is also in New Brunswick. I want to see that as well. And if you don't know what a fiddle is, it's a country violin. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. It's a country violin. Um, so yeah, all in all, it was a pretty good trip. So Thursday, we went to Lorelei's for tea and I got to see, because Crystal got lost. So I got to see the covered bridge kind of by accident, but that's okay. And I didn't, we didn't even realize it was the covered bridge. She pulled over so that she could do a Yui. And I looked up and went, hey, that's the world's longest covered bridge. And she looked up and goes, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> like, well, look at that. Let me get some pictures. So it was kind of by accident, which was okay. And then Friday, what did we do Friday? Friday, we went driving through the mountains and went to look at a house that somebody that we know was going to buy and is an idiot because it's a beautiful house on a beautiful lot. Um, and we drove through the mountains and I think it was Friday that Crystal saw a baby moose. We weren't with her when she saw the moose and moose are kind of a mystical animal you don't seek out the moose. The moose seeks out you. So if you see a moose um, and you're not ramming your car into it, there's actually good, you know, omens to it. And it, it means something very mystical and and, and very spiritual. Um, and she was very excited about seeing this baby moose. Um, and now he wasn't a baby he was last year's baby, so he's a yearling. He's already a year old, and he's ready to go out and start rutting and mating. And, you know, the rut is coming in the fall, so they're all kind of finding the females and where the females hang out. You know, like, guys will when they're looking for, you know... And it's funny, too, because the two-legged males, same as the four-legged males, will start looking for a female in the fall because winter is cold. So... Yeah, they start circling the areas where the women gather. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great trip. Um, there were a few concerns. I mean, not, like, overly concerned uh, when Nova Scotia was on fire because it did kind of creep into New Brunswick, and it was about two and a half hours away. But then the winds shifted, and Nova Scotia got it all back. Um, and then they got rain, and it all went out. But when we were leaving on the Sunday... Uh, we did have some concerns that there might be some issues with um, road closures and highway closures and detours because Quebec is on fire. So I was like, all right, great. There were a few fires happening in Ontario. Um, but there's always, uh, we have a fire season and this is it. Um, there's always a few fires in the spring and early summer. 
Um, and then as the summer gets on, northern Ontario, July is the worst month for forest fires uh, because most people are camping and most fires are human caused. So, but um, I'm trying to find you some information on the Canadian fires. And all I'm finding is how the Canadian fires are going to affect the U.S. air quality. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm worried about affecting my air quality. <laughs> we have been under um, a severe... I think we're still under it. Let me just double check that. Uh, we are under a yep special air quality statement. We have been under it since Sunday. Uh, high levels of air pollution have developed due to the smoke from forest fires. Smoke plumes from forest fires in Quebec and northeastern Ontario have resulted in deteriorated air quality. Poor air quality will persist into the weekend. Yay! Air quality and visibility due to wildfire smoke can fluctuate over short distances and can vary considerably from hour to hour. Um, I woke up this morning, like I said, and it smelled like a campfire in here. Still smells like a campfire in here. Um, and I can see as the sun's going down, it's getting hazier and hazier. And you can hear it in my voice as well. I Yeah, when I got up this morning, I sounded like I had smoked a pack of cigarettes. And I kind of sound that way now. And that's kind of what it felt like. And I'm like, oh, I haven't felt like this in years. <laughs> I don't miss this at all. I hate it because it's that that raw, almost phlegmy, burny feeling in the back of your throat where you kind of feel like you're on the edge of getting sick, like getting a cold. But, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's the smoke. And it's, it's, there are, at last check, when I checked the, um, for the fire map, there were 153 fires in Ontario. <coughs> um, I'm trying to find the fire map and I can't find it. I found it for mom um, because she, when I got back and I talked to her on Monday and she's like, yeah, you know, Quebec is on fire and Alberta is on fire and BC is on fire. And I'm like, ma, Ontario is on fire. And she's like, no, it's not. Yes, yes, it is. Ontario is on fire. And she's like, no, it's not. So I had to pull up the fire map. And she's like, well, if it's on fire, then that's because it's like northern Ontario. Northern Ontario is always on fire. And I said, well, as of five hours ago, Calabogie was on fire. And she's like, oh, well, that was five hours, five hours ago. I didn't hear about it on the news. What are you listening to, Ma? And she's like, CNN. Well, that's why. <laughs> Ontario's on fire. So I sent her the map and she looks at it. And she's like, oh, shit. Ontario's on fire. Like, no kidding. So we were talking today and I was telling her that, you know, it smells like a campfire here and it's really smoky and hazy. And she's like, well, it's not here. And we were talking in the clan and it's our family chat. And she's like, well, it's not here. And, you know, it's hard to tell because we're still allowed to have fires and everybody's up on the weekends at their cottages and they're having fires and that. And my brother pops in and he's like, not anymore. Band's effective as of today. And... I'm like, ooh, all right. And she's like, oh, okay, well, good to know. And my brother's like, yep, just waiting for that neighbor to start up a fire and I'm going to gear up, call my chief and head over and ticket him. <laughs> like, oh, 
my rebel brother all law-abiding citizen all of a sudden? I remember before he was a fireman, and if there was a fire ban, he's like, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. What are they going to do? By the time, they're not going to know. I'm going to have a fire. They're not going to know. And now he's like, you're not allowed to have a fire. There's a fire ban. Because <laughs> he's a fireman. So he understands the severity of a stray spark in a dry terrain, more so now than he did when he was just a, a, a young punk. He was a punk. I call him a punk. Hey, punk. I still call him. I call both my brother and my sister kid. And my sister is 41 years old. And my brother is five years younger than that. No. Two years younger than that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so they're not kids. They have kids. They have... My brother has teenage kids. But, uh, yeah. So now there is a... Um, fire ban which i mean you know what if your province is on fire don't have a fire that's just you're just you're being stupid your province is on fire which means it's very dry and 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 if nothing else don't have a fire out of respect for those people in your province that have lost their homes or that have been evacuated from their homes don't sit around a fire going, oh, what a shame. Our province is on fire. Could you throw another log on? Bring me to marshmallows. Like, you know, be respectful. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> what is happening to your hair? I look up and he's got like this whole Pee Wee Herman thing happening. I don't know what that was. It was better than the mini flock of seagulls you had last week, though. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, okay, so there's been an, evac an evacuation order for eastern Ontario. Um, that's probably over Ottawa Valley. Um, blah, 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 blah. Residents in the Centennial Lake area west of Ottawa won't be able to return to their homes and cottages until Friday, but the wildfire is being contained. And that's one thing I was trying to explain to my mom. She's like, well, if it's under control. No. No. Fire is never under control. The area that the fire is burning in might be controlled by the firemen, but the fire is not under control. And that is one thing that my dad taught us is that fire is not controllable. You can control the area. You can control the parameters. But you cannot control what the fire does. You can just minimize the destruction and control the parameters around the fire. But the fire is going to do what the fire is going to do. So, anyway. Holy crap! Okay, I'm going to go because... Uh, we're sitting at one hour and 41 minutes. I think this this is probably one of my longest podcasts. And I have to do a live later. I'm not going to have any voice for that. But, you know, it is what it is. And I have to do it because I put it on Facebook that I was going to actually go live. Um, so, yeah, I got to do that in an hour. <laughs> So I got an hour to go and and check my face and make sure that it's it's camera or whatever. I don't care. 
massage my face. Anyway, all right. So um, I will be posting on Facebook. I will be doing videos on Instagram and TikTok, letting you know when I'm going to be going live. You're still going to get your weekly podcast like this every Friday. And then if you want to interact with me, you want to have some conversation, some live conversation, um, find out when I'm going to be doing it. Now, it's all going to be, it's, what are you doing? Huh? What are you doing? He's got words he's going to say as soon as I, like, hit stop recording because he's grinning from ear to ear and the dimple says, I'm being mischievous. I know the, the, the dimple in his cheek, like, has moods, okay? I know when he's angry by the dimple. I know when he's being mischievous and he has taken an idea that I've come up with and now has ran with it and has plans. And that's the dimple that I'm seeing right now. Um, I don't know what he's got up his sleeve. <laughs> now he's blowing me kisses. I'm in trouble. Anyway, um, so you can come hang out with me. I'm going to do one during the day and then one at night so that I can kind of hit the different time zones. Every time I post will be Eastern Standard Time because that's where I am and that's what I'm doing. And when I'm not, it'll be another time zone. So anyway, um, you know the drill. Wash your hands. Be kind. Don't lick shit. And until next week, see ya. Carry on my way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.